Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wrestle me, Mark. It's Wrestle me, Pete. Wrestle me, Mark. Wrestle me, Pete. We're back for the final part of Starcade '83. Back and badder than ever. No, <laughs> badder than ever I've invariably had... means domestic violence. And this, oh, in the, with these lot, I've had two hundred wife beaters printed up with that on the front. <laughs> no, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Good lord. Oh, I talk about the worst thing I've ever done. At least I wasn't involved in the Starcade '83 match: Charlie Brown versus Kabuki. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh. straight. So, so we're back in um, after. After a um, Jay Youngblood interview, mumbles his way through it. Don't give yeah. him the microphone. Jay Youngblood, very good in the ring, mm. uh, didn't quite have the skills. Strange as well, second generation wrestler. His father was a big um, a Mexican wrestler. Yeah. Um, he, uh, you're watching him here in 83. Well, by 85, Jay dead. Youngblood is no longer with us. Dead. He had like yes. a heart problem. He had something that you would you'd give him at least 10 more years before yeah. that sort of shit's going on. It, it was a strange sort of thing of almost like whether it was appendicitis or some mm. kind of weird infection. But he was on a, um, a tour of Australia and yes. uh, he never made it back. There's, uh, I think there's one wrestler who died hunting. <laughs> Hunting? Later, yeah, later on. So I think somebody died hunting. I can't remember who it is, but maybe I wrote it down, maybe I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> A nice, exciting Easter egg that might come up, might oh, not. Might not. Um, <laughs> just Google wrestlers who have died hunting. Um, the, uh, the, yeah, the Jay Youngwood interview, he mumbles away, thought he should never have been anywhere near a mic. But Dusty no. Rhodes, he does a five-minute speech and you get to hear about three words. Yep. Dusty Rhodes is in full kind of, again, disco disco gear. His hair looks like... Um, He's like, like if you ramen. met someone and, and you said, you know, they're, they're from quite a provincial town, <laughs> but they run the largest beef <laughs> rendering plant. <laughs> rendering plant. Yeah. And they've made a lot of money, but they're, but they're, they're a bit gauche. <laughs> and out comes Dusty with his white perm <laughs> and his bright yellow sunglasses <laughs> dripping in gold. <laughs> and he's a big lad. And, oh, there's a bit they do later where he's with the ladies yes. and you, you can see that Dusty is like this is my natural environment <laughs> and the women look unsure <laughs> as to whether it should be. Uh, he's so charismatic in this, he's so good but yeah, he looks absolutely weird <laughs> he's absolutely, but they keep mugging him off with like just terrible, the mics just don't work and he keeps going mm. and 
and what I like about it is they don't cut to anything else. Nobody gets a word in the rear piece. Um, it should, they, the, the commentators who are back, you know, in, in, in the rafters mm. or whatever, they start, like, sort of saying, oh, well, you heard, well, he's probably saying something about how awesome Starkid 83 but, is. They, he might covering be, yeah. it really well. Uh, the weird <laughs> thing is, I, I don't know whether it's something like Dusty's got a weird polarity, mm. that he's so magnetic, it's fucking up the mic. Because every time <laughs> the lady, who's actually really good at yeah. this, she never appeared again, but right. she's, she's almost like a roving reporter. Every time she gets the mic back it works it works yeah and is it I just think it's he's just, shouting or something it's just because he's sexually magnetic <laughs> he is he is oh mate it's hard to tell how old he is here yeah I presume he's probably about 34 35 really Jesus and he looks like he could be like 68 <laughs> He's a farmer who's found a suit on his land, <laughs> and he's put it on, and he's... Stro- I mean... It's either you or the... It's either me or the scarecrow. <laughs> that's, the, that's the choice. Uh, uh, there are a lot of women in there, and the funny thing is, is you don't realise until you're in that environment in the 80s, because you're looking back on it and everyone looks faintly ridiculous, yeah. you suddenly realise that, like, Ric Flair, to the women in the crowd, and they talk to lots of women, Ric Flair is like... They all go a bit sort of, like, mushy about They're mm. all like, oh, my God, Ric Flair. Yeah. And you see him, and you sort of go, but he looks about... Sort of 50. He looks like a sort of. He looks like a raven. Nobody that's been looked, like bleached. Nobody apart from Jay Youngblood looked under no. 50. Like no. they <laughs> no. look so old. And, and, and even people like Johnny Weaver, I imagine you sort of go, he must be, what, 75? <laughs> and I think he's probably about 40. <laughs> they are just. It's weird. Everyone's people gone back full then John Tenter. Terrible. There's a bit <laughs> where they interview a family and they say, who do you think's going to win? Yeah. And. It, the parents look like grandparents. Yeah, and it's just... Yeah. What What was everyone doing? <laughs> cocaine. It's <laughs> in the 80s, everyone was taking cocaine. <laughs> and it, it was making them look tired. Oh, dear. <laughs> it really was something special. It really is something special. Um, oh, my word. I like um, Charlie Brown from Out of Town. <laughs> like, it's so weird. Oh. It's so... Charlie Brown from Out of Town. Um, basically... He's a man with a... Who, who's, who's the actual wrestler? He's a guy called Jimmy Valiant. Jimmy Valiant, right. So yeah. I've, I've, did he wrestle WWE a couple of times? Uh, he, Would I have seen he him? He did, but you might know best because uh, he was the fictional tag team brother of Johnny Valiant. Oh, Johnny Valiant, I'm good. We right. saw in some early WrestleManias right. and, uh, uh, you know, luscious Johnny V. I'm a luscious Johnny. Right. Uh, the the unmade T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> At time of recording. That's right. Um, so Charlie Brown from Town is basically a big bearded man Um with like half a lucha libre sort of mask sort of thing, so yeah. he look, he looks like it looks like his head's burst and hairs come out. <laughs> it does. It looks so weird. If you imagine Father Christmas <laughs> converting to Judaism and he's got a couple, <laughs> and for some reason it's it's really got wedged on his head. That is Charlie Brown stroke Jimmy Valiant. So, so the conceit is that he's not allowed in NWA. He's been kicked out. Yeah. Valiant. So this is this is a long running thing they used to do in wrestling. People would often lose le- loser leaves town matches, and if they were fan favourites, quite often they'd come back under a, an unconvincing mask. So. So Dusty Rhodes, he lost the loser leaves thing. He came back as the Midnight Rider, and you can imagine Dusty Rhodes in a mask with a all body suit. Well, it's clearly Dusty Rhodes, yeah. and that was part of the joke that yeah. they were getting one over on on the on the on bad the boss, guys. Yeah, yeah. Hulk Hogan did it in uh, so, WWE in so, about 2004 so with Mister America. Mister America. So this is what I fell down a hole of other wrestlers coming back. And Mister America was something I had no idea. He comes on. I'd, I'm sure everybody's aware of Mister America, but I was not. <laughs> so I'm just like. 
there's this whole kind of thing, and it's like midnight. Well, no, it's, it's not. He's not. Yeah, two thousand four, five. I think okay. maybe even later. Seven. So there's all of this Stephanie McMahon kind of Vincent McMahon kind of thing rivalry, and then Hulk and, and Mr. America comes on to Hulk Hogan's theme tune. Yeah, <laughs> and you can see through the mask. <laughs> Hogan's moustache and mouth and eye. I mean, it couldn't be anyone else. It's like, but, and also, like, instead of, his only kind of augmentation from his previous identity is that he says, dude. <laughs> instead of, he says brother a lot, yeah. obviously. But then he's like, <laughs> he's like, dude. Great. Quite a lot. Hey, I'm trying to find the um, the picture. So that's, so that's uh, Charlie Brown, uh, <laughs> who could not look, I've, 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 I've I've recorded that bit. I want to turn it into an animated gift. Imagine if, like, Santa Claus was also the Golden State Killer, right? <laughs> and he's broken yes. into your house, and you go, but I sort of recognise you, and he goes, that's fine, I'm going to kill you. That's slightly <laughs> what Charlie Brown looks like. He looks genuinely one of our chilling characters. Even though he's supposed to be a fun guy, he's yeah. genuinely quite chilling. Give him a Google. Charlie Brown from out of town, which I think is a, is a saying anyway, yeah. uh, but wrestler. He's wearing as well a T-shirt that he's obviously paid $3 to have made. <laughs> <laughs> with the letters on that say Charlie Brown on the back from out of town. Was really, I remember back, probably, well, it was probably about like the 90s, but I remember really like the Lemmings uh-huh. games. And I spent and I spent a good three or four quid in town to get a white t-shirt um, printed up with I Love Lemmings. <laughs> and it was that exact same font. That's so sweet. It's so stupid. I seem to remember I had a t-shirt that I made when I was in sixth form, like as an ironic thing. Mm. And it said on it um, something along the lines of Mark is good. Uh, and I had that. And I remember people looking at that and going, you're such a fucking bellend. I think it I cost me... a druid. I think it cost me about 15 quid to have made a calendar. It's much more expensive than it should have been. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, don't worry about me. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not Charlie Brown. <laughs> this, this, I didn't have to then appear in front of 15,000 people and go, this is an acceptable costume for mainstream entertainment. It's not even the worst one on the... Uh, on the actual <laughs> ring. Kabuki, the great Kabuki. Um, obviously, Kabuki, an ancient form of, uh, of Japanese yeah. theatre. Uh, Ake, uh, Akihisa Mera is his name, um, from uh, Miyazaki Prefecture, mm-hmm. trained by Giant Baba. Yep. Celebrate Giant Baba. Where do they say he's from? Like, this is the most Japanese situation he could possibly be in. Singapore. <laughs> Why did they say he's from Singapore? Ah, oh, Kabuki, so always weird. a surprise, Kabuki a mystery. Unbelievable. Uh, worth saying, I mean, he was one of the most famous uh, Japanese wrestlers mm. of the 70s of and 80s. Singapore. Literally <laughs> the worst wrestler <laughs> you will ever see. He is so boring and bad to watch. He is he is appalling. What, he comes out, he's got his green hands mm. and he's got a green sort of mouth and chest. And he was one of the first wrestlers who did the old blowing green mist. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. And I don't know why they don't make him do that on the biggest show <laughs> in wrestling's history. They probably thought, oh, I don't want to ruin the ring. <laughs> the blood, all these blood stains. Blood-covered ring. But uh, this match is, I mean, I mean, uh, Jimmy Valiant was, uh, it started back in the, <laughs> I mean, he's actually, I looked at his Wikipedia, it lists him, he's still alive, he was born in 1942 and he's listed on Wikipedia as semi-retired. <laughs> oh, wow. So he still occasionally comes Love out it. and does something. Love he started it. wrestling in 1964 and he was part the Valiant Brothers tag team who were a huge huge pairing between the 60s and the 70s. Mm. By this point he is very much on the what looked at the time as the end of his career but actually <laughs> it would carry on going for another 35 years. Jeez. 
Um, and he had this, this, this mask gimmick. And he was hugely, hugely popular. He'd been a bad guy for most of his career. Mm. And he came back with this character called the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> Never quite made sense as to what it was. <laughs> but he'd just knock his knees together and he'd just not really wrestle well. And it was madly popular. Um, it, it, it's a mystifying match. Again, you'd watch this if you'd never seen wrestling before and you just go, wrestling is not for me. Well, this re- is poor. According, according to the... And, and what I like about Kabuki is, like, talking about the, uh, the Javan thing, they, the, the, the commentary team keep on saying, ah, from the Far East. It's not the Far East. <laughs> South Asia, if anything. <laughs> that, that, the South East. You've watched Abdullah the Butcher carving up a man's <laughs> head with a razor. You've seen Scott McGee busted open. You've seen Johnny Weaver, who was the wife beater of Penny Banner. The I thing know, that upset I'm you I'm is a bit that of a Japan Gordon Soli just... doesn't know where Singapore is. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh dear. Uh, Jimmy Valiant had a, 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 a valet for a mm. number of years who was called uh, Felicia Fanning, who was his wife. Right. And she was a character called Big Mama. And they were hugely, hugely popular until one day uh, someone knocked on the door of Jimmy Valiant's house and said, um, you are the biological father of my six-year-old. And uh, he turned to his wife and said, that that can't happen because we have a six-year-old and that would mean that I had been cheating on you, which I have not been doing. The DNA test came back. The boy was indeed his son and uh, Felicia Fanning uh, left him. uh, And uh, that was after 13 years of marriage. So boogie woogie man. Boogie woogie man. Naughty should have been wearing your Charlie Brown mask. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They'd never have found you. <laughs> He's should written a book. Should have put one on his willy. <laughs> should have put a boogie woogie mask on he his He wrote uh, an Charlie autobiography Brown and it's uh, uh, the Jimmy Valiant story, <laughs> but it's got a subtitle. And I was like, do I want to read this? And then I read the subtitle and it's called Woo Mercy Daddy. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Yes, please. Yes, we do. Yes, please. I think we should just, I think you should just give me like the worst because I have n- no interest in furthering my. Uh, <laughs> knowledge about wrestling but i would like to read some absolute grot so uh, yeah. yeah we'll have to pick that one up we will i think i think i'm going to just photocopy you the chapters from tony atlas's book about football <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's then uh, a series of interviews they talk with uh, a guy from local radio uh, who's called duke walker no idea why he's on but he, he does a pretty good job he's yeah. just like oh this is going to be exciting uh, then you get um harley race uh, bob orton and dick slater all sitting on some really 1980s furniture yes um and they're all got perm which is <laughs> great. Looks I love that's that weird thing about like really hard men getting perms <laughs> in the eighties. It just I'm, seems like a weird kind of look because it, it's quite involving. I don't really know how you would do it. No, could I do it to my hair? I presume so. Which way I have to be short? We've got to try. It. We've got to try. It. <laughs> Enough shit. You will look like a, a like an early eighties football. Why have we never put? Pu- why have I? Because I've done some stupid stuff in my hair. Like, wouldn't it be f- what? Like as a radio feature, it's quite funny. Mm. Why don't we? Get my hair permed. Yeah, no, I think it's a great thing, but really I think it's perm. I think it's one of those things that is going to be a, t- a step too far. <laughs> and you're, you're you're like, oh, this is funny, but then you'll see it and you'll be like, I look so awful, <laughs> and I think you'll just burst into tears. <laughs> and they'll say to you, oh no, a perm has to grow out, and it takes between three and four years. <laughs> <laughs> and then the work will dry up. <laughs> yeah, Pete's got a perm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why he did that. Did you hear about Pete? He did himself in. Oh, really? <laughs> How's his perm look? It's still strong. <laughs> so tight. He tried relaxing. So All tight it did was and greasy. Give him... Why do they always look greasy? I don't know, but it's part of it. 
Hair oil. Um, Not hair oil kicking around. Then we really <laughs> ratch everything up a notch. Notchy. Oh, and this is the uh, Roddy Piper versus Greg Valentine yes. in the dog collar match. Is it fair to say, as I said on previous shows, there's a stark difference between pre-WWE Piper yeah. and uh, post-WWE yeah, Piper. There is. And he I think, looks I think a little heavier. Yeah. He looks heavier, but he is so much better yeah. in the ring than he is at any point of his WWE career. Really, At right. this point, he's still hungry, and he's just... He was always famous for being one of those guys who his real... The money in Piper laid in his ability to talk. Yeah. And he would, you would go and see him because you wanted to see him either get beaten up for most of his career he was a bad guy or you'd want to see him finally get revenge on someone mm. and at this point they've got the perfect match for him which is people the, the, this Greg Valentine and, and Roddy Piper thing has been going on for a while it's heated Piper has talked them into the ring and oh my god this is one of those matches where everything he does is so on point yeah because they're tied together by the neck with the chain a lot of the, the the matches that you have like that are slightly hamstrung by the fact they've got this gimmick between them. And in this, every time... that it, It's amazing to watch it when you sort of go, look how good Piper is. So they'll be moving, and the chain will literally have hit the floor, and Greg Valentine will have stepped over it. And Piper will see, in that second, the chain is between his legs, and he'll then lift it up, and he'll hit... Greg Valentine the nuts. Yeah. When it accidentally goes around the turnbuckle, Piper is immediately pulling on it to hold him against it. Everything he does. It's a really weird thing where... It's like it, the, the chain is in tag team partner. Yeah. And in this match, Piper can do no wrong where he's so alert to where the chain is. Mm. When you see these matches, a lot of the time, they'll just do a normal match and occasionally there'll be a couple of spots with the chain. And yeah. in this, he's... The, the person he's working with, he's dancing with Greg Valentine in the ring. The third dance partner is the chain. Mm. And you see Piper is very best with this it's so well done mm. it's also a ridiculously physical match mm. so they're playing around a, a a big angle where valentine has supposedly busted roddy piper's eardrum yes and there's bits where he's just punching him in the ear with the chain there is blood coming out of his ear i don't know how they quite did that <laughs> i can't see the bit where there's a blade i yeah. can't see where you would blade on your ear mm. and what I'm watching is Greg Valentine hitting him in the side of the head with a chain again and again and again, and his ear is bleeding. And this, uh, I think I was reading about that, like, he lost, you know, he, he, I don't know, again, it's careful, but, like, he lost 75% of his uh, hearing or whatever. Yeah. But then, but in all the acted bits beforehand, like, he would lean in to the interviewer and, like, it was, it was very well done from Piper. Very, The very bits well where he, he does that thing, and I think this is one of the things I remember watching this when I was probably 12 or 13, and that thing of watching it and going, the way he reacts, the way he staggers, like his inner ear balances off. Yeah. You get damage to your inner ear, it affects your balance. And it was the first time I'd ever seen that in wrestling. Mm. And you've been going, oh, is there something wrong with him internally? <laughs> and that, that becomes a thing you've not seen before. And therefore you go, hang on, is this real? Yeah. And it's, it's a thrilling match. There, mm. There's a great bit where, you know, the chain has gone across Piper's eyes and Valentine is sort of grinding it back and forth. Mm. And then Piper reverses it and he manages to get the chain in, in Greg Valentine's mouth. And the crowd go mad for that. And then he just loops it round again and it pulls up Greg Valentine's nose like a pig's snout. <laughs> and the crowd go nuts. And Valentine is so good because he's not the greatest sort of facial worker, mm. Valentine, and because he's slow and ponderous. In this match, he is made to look amazing. His reactions to it are all brilliant. Yeah. Like, he can't believe how much pain he's in. And there's, there's, <laughs> a, there's a great bit where Piper just 
hugs him out of the turnbuckle. And Greg Valentine moves faster than he's ever moved before. <laughs> like he's completely out of control. It's such a good match. <laughs> and I think this is this is something you see in wrestling as well, where you get these guys who are on the cusp of being huge stars mm. and they are better aware than people who are like Johnny Weaver, like Carlos Colon, who are just going back and this is just another night. They realise the eyes of the world are on them and they just put out a performance that is intended to steal the show. Mm. And I think this dog colour match is thrilling. Mm. It's properly good. You can also see the genesis of a lot of hardcore wrestling. No one would have seen anything like this before at this point. Mm. And you don't see anything like it for quite a while after. And I think in some ways this really solidifies the reputation of Roddy Piper as being this wild man who won't back down and no matter you know how badly he's injured he's going to keep fighting and scrabbling and uh, it's a brilliant match. And he just went from strength to strength from there. So he did indeed, yeah. It was definitely the highlight, probably, of the, of the show, Roddy Piper and I, 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 Great I, Valentine. <laughs> great <laughs> Valentine. <laughs> um, I, did, I did also think, you know, I mean, I mean, it's a funny thing, wrestling, and you understand when wrestlers get older, they find it hard to move away yeah. from wrestling and they keep coming back and it's diminishing returns. And I did sort of think, watching this with Roddy Piper, this is such a unique set of strange and extraneous skills that you could use nowhere else yeah. where you're watching a chain and you're able to make something magic out of it I thought it was I, I thought it was properly uh, everything about wrestling that I like I think you can see in that match mm. it was just properly good yeah. they made it look real it was magic and I don't think any other two people could have replicated what they did on that night mm. perfect and then on to um Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood versus the uh, the Briscoe brothers. The Briscoe brothers, Jack and Jerry. Um, uh, good little match. Um, this is this is very much the, the two of them, Steamboat and Youngblood, yep. um, were responsible uh, for the the formation of Starcade because of this match uh, at what was called Final Conflict in March nineteen eighty three, mm. where they drew this great big out of state crowd. Um, funny little thing about that match is that for years it was lost. So they had this this great match that they they turned away thousands from seeing, and that was the moment when they went, "We should do a big super show." Yeah. And that became Starcade, and this match by chance, um, one of the people who was in the uh, entourage of the then tag team champion Sergeant Slaughter and Don Canodal had asked. Uh, if he could have a memento and he'd gone to the people who were filming it and they'd given him a, a fresh video and they'd put that match on it. Right. And so that was the only tape that existed of this legendary match that had happened, uh, which was called Final Conflict, a cage match between Steamboat and Youngblood and Slaughter and Canodal. Right. And... Uh, he had it for years. Boris Zukov was the man who mm. had it. Uh, later, we saw him in WrestleManias in the Bolsheviks. Yes. And he had this match, and he knew it was historically important. <laughs> and he once came back to his house that he was sharing at the time with Arn Anderson. And Arn Anderson had recorded over. <laughs> so he'd watched the match. He'd got to the pinfall. He'd gone, that was great. And then he went, oh, I'm going to record this thing on the news that's about, I think it was about like a weather alert. <laughs> And old-fashioned videos used to rewind seven seconds before they started recording. Yeah. So, as he came in, he went, what are you doing? And he went, I'm recording. He's like, don't record over that tape. It's the only existence of this, you know, classic legendary match. (laughs) And because Arn Anderson had used this old tape, the existing footage now, which you can see on YouTube, it has the whole match, and it cuts out just before the pinfall because of Arn Arn fucking Anderson. Isn't that hilarious that, like, he was... 
He was probably stabbed to bits. Probably, <laughs> probably it, convalescing. It's such a weird thing about a match that for years people thought was was di- not in existence. <laughs> and like it was ruined YouTube. in the 80s but by like Arn Anderson. I like that it's on YouTube with yep. Arn Anderson's input into it. And it's a really funny thing that a lot of people, <laughs> because Boris Zukov had this spotty career, he was never the greatest wrestler, it's now seen really as being his primary contribution to wrestling. <laughs> right, is he's he an got, archivist. He asked for a tape of it and then he put it up. On a, on a Facebook group. I'm writing Arn Anderson tape on it. I, I need to watch this. I need to watch the transition. <laughs> it's so good. Just as the referee jumps to count the, the pin, <laughs> it just goes to shash and fraz, and then it comes back as everyone's just got their arms up in the ring. <laughs> Fucking Arn Anderson. Shash and fraz. They're the worst wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were demolition. They're excellent. Um, you've got the Briscoe brothers here. Um, also, they, they had a, a Native American background. Um, Jack was uh, one time the NWA world champion. Um, Jerry would end up going to work with WWE behind the scenes. Mm. They were two of the best wrestlers of the 70s. By this time, I think their their style is becoming a little dated. Yep. But if you like classic wrestling, they are your men. Mm. They are just beautiful. Um, the, this match was one of those funny matches where I knew it was good and I couldn't quite get into it. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, because I, I like Steamboat, I sort of went and watched Savage and Steamboat for, <laughs> for a bit. I was yeah. sort of dual screening. He is, again, like, you can tell that Steamboat's fucking good, though. He's so oh, agile. Yeah. He's a classic yeah. part from Talk, Talking of matches that haven't been recorded, because really, until the 80s, you know, nobody's interested in, in keeping these things. Mm. Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat talk about their late 70s, early 80s matches where they'd be going for an hour as the best wrestling matches they were ever in. Yeah. And they're, they're all lost to time. If you weren't there in the arena, you didn't see them. But we're not getting BBC um, news reports about finding lost, like, like we are with like Steptoe Son and stuff it, like it, that. It, I mean, it's interesting because, and stuff. because obviously now a lot of wrestling tapes are coming out of the, uh, of the places where they've been stored because mm. the WWE are actively buying up tapes. Yeah, right. So WWC, Carlos Colon's Puerto Rican Federation, they've just sold their tape collection to the WWE. <sighs> um, obviously, in this country, Progress, in Germany, WXW, they've all done deals. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm fascinated with who owns the world of sport footage. Yeah. I don't know who owns that. And I imagine, I think at one point it was Carlton, I think there's been other people, but there are presumably these tapes somewhere yeah. in a lockup in, who knows, Watford, Mm. you know that are all sitting there <laughs> just doing nothing I haven't got Vince McMahon money <laughs> but I would like to make an offer <laughs> I do, do you need to ask Liz? no did you ask your missus? Oh, no, she, no whatever the price is she's going to tell me not to <laughs> so I'm going to make an offer here and now for the World of Sport Library I will pay up to £300 <laughs> oh. I'll do 500 but I'm not saying it because my wife may listen <laughs> I know for a fact my wife doesn't listen she's, she's not interested in this <laughs> she's more into wrestling than any, either of us. <laughs> she likes wrestling. Do you know what she doesn't like? Us talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't it. see the point. No, good point. No. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. He has a lot of durability. Uh, the Briscoes uh, are also <laughs> famous for um, discovering Hulk Hogan. Right. So uh, Jerry Briscoe, I think, had met him when he was at a, a nightclub and said, you're a big guy, you'd mm. be quite good. Yeah. Um, there is a, 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 a big um, rumour that Hulk Hogan should have been on this Starcade card. Oh, really? Yeah. At the time, he was working for the AWA, which was affiliated with the NWA. Mm. Um, and they always said that he was supposed to be the tag team partner of Wahoo McDaniel in the Orton and Slater tag team match. Mm. But this what turned is... up was Mr. America. <laughs> Confusing. I know. It's such a shame they didn't get Hogan. <laughs> um, <laughs> they got this strange man otherwise. Um, but uh, apparently it's not true. I mean, uh, right. by that time, Hogan was working for New Japan. They were his primary source of income, and he yeah. didn't pay an awful lot of money. They had their tag team tournament was on at that time. There's no way they'd let him go back. Mm. So it's just one of those strange urban myths that sprung up. And his absolute shit. Ah, oh, well, <laughs> he was having a nice time in Japan, I imagine. I am talking of absolute shit. James Tiny Weeks. James <laughs> Did you catch Weeks. James Tiny Weeks? No. He's, no, 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 no. he's not an athlete. He is the man who sings the national anthem. Oh, yes. Before Best thing ever. the main yeah. event. Right. So. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So it's like. He looks like a sort of early Paul Bearer, but he's not a wrestling character. <laughs> Why have I not written down anything about this man? <laughs> so he's like a local kind of country music star, isn't he? Like, I don't he think he's like, even like, a country music star. <laughs> so I Googled him afterwards and I was like, James Tiny Weeks, the only mention of him on the whole internet. <laughs> no one's even said he sings the national anthem at Starcade, <laughs> right? It's not mentioned. No. The only thing is a. a, a local paper report that says uh, the family of James Tiny Weeks would like to thank everyone for their flowers. And that, that's, he's dead. So it was about, I think, 1997, that. So There's no reference to who he is. So James Tiny Weeks, he... Um, it's set scene. Um, the... Uh, who's down? I don't know. I don't know who actually hands over the mic, but it, it's Shivani or Bob Shiv- Caldwell Bob, or someone. Yeah, one of them. One of them just sort of goes right uh, to sing the last of them. Here's James Tiny Weeks, and James Tiny Weeks is stood right next to him, <laughs> and he and it just goes dark, <laughs> and he sings either on the same mic or his own mic, but it's just he's just stood in front of him, yeah, to no music, yeah. 
completely a cappella. Do you know that's a bold thing because you go, you know, you know who sings a cappella? It's the great singers. And James <laughs> Tiny Weeks has gone. Yeah, let me tell you, no fucking problem. I've got a mystery sound file now. Oh, please, surely, God, let it be James Tiny surely. Weeks. Surely, and let's go now to Tom Miller for the introduction for the national anthem. Yes. Yay! Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you now stand for our national anthem. <laughs> as performed by Nashville recording artist and North Carolina native James Tiny Weeks. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what... It's just, it's just that it's on, like, he stood right next to him. And he just goes, oh, dear, fucking do this, will you? Just fucking sing this, sing oh, this. Oh, say, can you? And, and as the, as, because the camera's, like, low and looking up, you can see the really old yellowing ceiling tiles. Probably He's stuffed also, with asbestos. Look, let's not, let's not beat around the bush. He is a disgusting-looking bloke. <laughs> the name Tiny is a joke because yeah. he's got, like, a big fat neck, right? <laughs> and he comes up. Oh, say. Oh. But the best bit is at the end where he goes, now I've seen people sing this before. And what they do is they go, the land of the... And they really hit that big note. And he just properly goes, and the land of the... It's a proper good shriek, man. So this was all after... um, they do a really strange thing after the um, the, the steamboat and against the, the, the Briscoe Brothers. Mm. They do the credits. Yeah? They do the credits. I remember seeing the credits. I didn't remember them being here. Right. That's, okay. So they were before the final match. They do all the credits and they get the commentator, a Colwell. Uh, sorry. Uh, Bob Cordle. Sorry, Bob Cordle. Um, it's going th- so... They roll the credits, and the commentator has to go through everyone by name oh. as their names go by. And so I go, uh, so the uh, technical director does some great work uh, the, this evening. Uh, Emerson Larson, Larson, uh, he's, he's been fantastic all day. And then the, the next credit will get up, and he'll go, I know, uh, Audio Caldwell. We need to know fucking uh, Audio fucking Howard Caldwell. We need to know his name, because every every time he thinks one's finished, he can go back and talk about the action, Howard Caldwell. another one pops up. I, I like the fact the audio guy as well. If it was Harold Caldwell, I think he left after about an hour, because none of the fucking... Mike's work. No, it's like I'm not having this. Oh, I've just I've just looked down at my notes because I got too obsessed with James Tiny Weeks. <laughs> but I just want to say one thing. At the start of the Steamboat and Youngblood match, yeah. the Briscoes are in the ring, and for some reason, Gerald Briscoe is standing on the top turnbuckle. It looks like uh, it looks like a, like what is going. No on? No one has ever done that <laughs> since, right? <laughs> and he stands there for the introduction, rigid on top of the turnbuckle. It's fucking brilliant. It's brilliant, but it's also a, a bit abstract because. People like wrestlers in the ring just look over and go, What's he doing? What's he's, he, like, he's not he's doing anything. He's like standing 12 going, foot in the air. Look at me, mummy. Look what I'm standing on. <laughs> I think it's great. I love the fact <laughs> that the cameraman desperately wants to do a zoom in. He's like, No, I've got to keep that shot because fucking dickhead there is up on the thing. <laughs> yeah. And if we go into any tight shot, it's just going to be his nuts. Right? <laughs> I, fucking, I, I have never seen anyone do it since. And I thought it looked proper iconic. It, One of those things I looked at and I was like, What's going on here? And then I was like, Oh, I could hear the rush of blood. I was so excited. But I'm he like, 
was, oh, it a new really, thing. But he wasn't really giving it the biggins guy. Look what I can do. No. Look how tart these ropes are. He's just literally stood up there going, look, Mummy, like wow. A, like a brilliant American eagle. I've climbed up all the stairs, Mummy. Look. <laughs> I've got to fall. But he's uh, Gerald Briscoe, what a great career. He he retired, I think, in the last couple of years or so from, mm. from working back, backstage at WWE. But he's still a bit of a talent spotter. And uh, he came over to Britain um, uh, to do some bits and bobs fairly recently. And I... Oh, no. No, he didn't. That's Pat Patterson. <laughs> 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 Fuck you, Gerald. You've ruined Pat, this anecdote. Wasn't Pat Patterson at um, the uh, All In show? Or am I thinking of some other people? Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA were there. Maybe. Well, Pat Patterson came over and he came to see a, a modern uh, show put on by Rev Pro. Right. And uh, he turned to uh, Dave uh, Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer and said he hated it. He, he said there was no psychology and he was really cross about it and he was depressed. <laughs> it's always a sad thing if you're an ex-wrestler where you do look at today's stuff and you just go, I There's hate no this. connection to it. No, I'd yeah. like to get old watching this and enjoying it and I can't. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you've got the network now. But it's just like watch you... Stock at 83. Yeah, exactly. Just watch hey, it over and over again. Here's Johnny Weaver. He was a good guy. <laughs> unless you were married to him. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Johnny Weaver. Fucking a boring Johnny Weaver. wrestler and, and in real life a real piece Monster. of work. Uh, Bob it's a really, really funny bit where Bob again more sound issues. Um, so we so we go through like before the the, the main event. Mm. There's just no commentary for about five minutes. Uh, but basically, Bob Cordell's at this. I go and we're going uh, ringside to uh, speak to. And then because Bob Cordell's clearly so deaf, mm. you can hear his <laughs> earpiece is so loud. He goes, no, 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 don't do it. He goes, I'm hearing that uh, we can't go to um, the ringside because uh, they're not ready. And uh, um, sorry about that. And uh, and then they just go back to sort of talking about not, just trying to fill the space. Basically, and then there's no commentary. There's nothing for about five minutes before uh, the main event which is uh, Ric Flair and Harley Race well there's such a funny bit where Ric Flair comes out to this huge entrance music you know mm. you, you finally he's the only person on this who has entrance music yes and they, they play um, also Sprack Zarathustra by Wagner or whatever mm. it's by and it booms out and there's lights going off and then there's fireworks and the smoke clears and basically Ric Flair walks out of a fire escape. <laughs> it looks so <laughs> shonky. Out he comes in the Starcade 83 robe that you can mm. buy one feather from for £41 from the man I've seen on eBay. Um, and then out comes Harley Race. The champion always comes out second. Mm. They've slightly changed that over the years with WWE and as a wrestling purist I think the champion should always come out last. Right. Even if they're not going to get the big response. Mm. I'm saying this like it's going to make any difference. Like someone from <laughs> WWE is going to be listening to this rather than working really hard to um, essentially make a madman happy. Um, <laughs> it's not uh, I tell you, Harley Race really reminds me as, as well is, is Robert Shaw in Jaws. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't And he's that. got that real sort of man's man element to him. I think mm. I think Harley Race is a famous sort of, you know, proper man's man. He mm. was a, a, a fighter and a brawler and a drinker and, you know, a drink driver and, uh, and a <laughs> crasher. And, uh, you know, and, uh, he was... Inferno. It, there, there's some great stories about um, Ric Flair and his time in the road with Harley Race that are in Flair's autobiography. Right. And you can tell the two of them have always been very, very affectionate. At this time, Race is coming to the end. I think he's, he's had seven runs as NWA champion. Right. And he's aware that 
the new generation are coming up and that Flair is going to get it. And Isn't I think it he's... weird to look at Ric Flair, who does is. look about 50? Yeah. Like, sort of, oh, the new generation's here. Yeah. Really? Are they? But, but, I mean, you think of people... I mean, like, going back to the 40s, really, age was no barrier. Mm. These guys were, some of them, legitimate shooters and things, and so they were tough men, and they didn't really... The, the problem is they, they had a lot of sway when yeah. you're champion. And the one thing you can do is you can argue that you shouldn't give it to this guy because you want to hold on to that. Yeah. You know, you're, you're the big star. And I think Race is aware at this point that his days are numbered and that this is a passing of the torch. Right. He's always been very, very um, positive about Ric Flair. So they did a shoot interview for, the, I think, the 30th anniversary or maybe the 25th anniversary of Starcade. And Race just said, I think Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler of all time. And mm. Flair was very emotional about that. I think mm. it's... Uh, Harley Race, again, is a bridge to the pre-television era of, of wrestling and very, very well respected. He's also doubly respected because this event nearly didn't happen. Because right. Vince McMahon tried to give Harley Race as much money as he wanted to walk out of the NWA with the belt and fuck this card up. Really? So he approached him and said, all you have to do is no show and then turn up in the WWE the next week. Yeah. And he offered Harley Race, no one knows what the amount is, but it was clearly a substantial amount of money. And Race said no. Mm. It didn't affect Race in the long run. He was, you know, given a, a WWE career. He becomes King Harley Race. We saw him against Junkyard Dog. Yes. That's, I think, WrestleMania three. Um, not the first gimmick he was given. He was going to be given a Hangman Harley Race and he was going to have a uh, executioner's hood. Right. Uh, a gimmick they later gave to a guy called Jimmy Jack Funk and it went nowhere. So Race was lucky to be out of it. Um, but this, this at the time was seen as being one of the great matches. Mm. So the Wrestling Observer, it was their match of the year. Mm. You watch it now and it's, again, it's, it, it's old school. Yeah, I mean, a lot of vertical souplés. Well, vertical souplés <laughs> are the, are the big offensive thing. The, the rest, there's a lot of headlocks, mm. there's a lot of arm locks, there's a lot of, you know, arm bars and things. Mm. And it is quite map-based. Mm. Um, and unusually as well, I mean, the ending is strange in that it ends with Flair doing a crossbody off the rope. A, a, a move that he didn't really use. Mm. But I think it was done so that, you know, Race wasn't conclusively beaten. Yeah. So he didn't submit to a figure four or, mm. or anything. And, and you actually get to see at the end of this as well, Flair is genuinely genuinely emotional mm. and he's emotional because I think he realises now his time has come mm. and he is now going to be the man who takes the business forward strange thing for Harley Race there you know where you you watch essentially your career disappearing it would be like if you were doing a radio show mm. and they said to you Pete we just want you to do a handover with this guy who is <laughs> 10 years old. And this guy has clearly been told he's taking your job. And you have to do that thing of being a little bit professional. <laughs> and sort of like, you know, doing the handovers. And that, that's the funny that's thing, I think, in these. That's why they just cancel your security pass. That's why they just do that. That's why they do that. They're, they're not right to. Um, but I just, I, I do like the way that, again, like, Harley Race has to watch everybody flood in and sort of celebrate with, yeah. with him. With, yeah. uh, with and they Rick. bring in Ric Flair's first wife yes uh, okay. she comes in there's a nice bit as well where she's giving him a hug and rick flair is by this point bleeding and they cut back to see his wife a little later on at ringside and there is a man just dabbing all of rick flair's blood off her face oh, <laughs> it's absolutely smeared um race is is one of those those people who i don't think people respect enough mm. um, he, he's seen as being you know one of the greats but you can watch his matches in japan and you can watch his matches when he was nwa champion and they really really stand up mm. they're really really enjoyable um he said the one real regret in his career was he invented the flying headbutt 
Right. And he does it a couple of times in this match where he comes off the top rope and he hits people, uh, you know, with a headbutt. And the reason for that was he he felt that, like, Chris Benoit had then taken the flying mm. headbutt and it had caused him a certain amount of concussions on mm. a short period of time. And he, I think, felt that it was a move that had led to the tragedy of Chris Benoit. Oh, so he genuinely felt personally... Mm. Mm. He was, he was by all accounts, one of the... Yeah, he is still alive. He is, by all accounts, one of the, you know, the great guys. Everybody loves Harley Race. Mm. Uh, a, a tough man, a man's man. He had a long career. He went on to be a sort of manager in WCW in, in his retirement. Um, he was slightly plagued with bad luck. He had, he had numerous car crashes through his career, not just through drinking. Mm. Um, he had one right at the start that I think, uh, I think I believe, and I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think it was a horrible tragedy in which his pregnant wife was, was killed. Jeez. So... I think there was then a car crash later on in his life when he'd retired that nearly wiped him out as well. So he's had this terrible luck, but just a... I mean, a a proper... If you were going to start a wrestling federation now or in the 70s, you could go a lot worse than getting Harley Race as your main man. Mm. And I think in this you can see he's just a total pro. He doesn't Mm. take Vince McMahon's money. He doesn't make anything bad in the ring. He just delivers what becomes a match of the year. Yeah. You know, and that's on his way out. And and he and it sort of finishes in a, in a rather strange way, in that they do it's almost like the Super Bowl. Like they have in uh dressing room interviews with the the, the, the victor and Yeah. Dusty and they go on and on. And they they really do and like and you can tell you can sort of tell that Ric Flair just wants to get on with his night. He yeah. wants to party, he wants to be a yeah. they they do one of those things. Have you ever had champagne put in your eyes. It's really stingy. It's the worst thing you can imagine. And you'd go, oh, we just brush it out. No. It's, it's like having pepper thrown in your face. It's I, it's what... I've had um, semen is just as violent. <laughs> they don't if you do get that at the end of Starcade. Ah, they might do. I, I should imagine it's wrestlers. I should imagine, <laughs> yeah. I should imagine that was not champagne. It's a big <laughs> yeah. bottle of... Pepsi-jizz. <laughs> Fucking um, hell. They, but they, they interviewed, like, Dusty Rhodes comes up yeah. and challenges him. Yeah. Challenges Ric Flair. Go, oh, you got, I got to, you got to. Uh. Do you know what that is as well? That's also a hangover from the old days where you do the end of a programme mm. and then you'd go, oh, we've got to get them back next week. Yeah. So what do we do? You'd have someone come out and go, next week, I'll take you. And they're <laughs> so doing that on a big show. No, he goes, really You've done really great. You've done really great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, watch out. <laughs> There's a bit where Ric Flair is trying to, he's blinking because of the champagne. <laughs> he's re his eyes and he keeps on going back to his eye and he tries to open his eyes when Dusty Rhodes is doing this promo <laughs> and he just has to go back and do it and as he's wiping it Dusty Rhodes is like, grabs his hand and he's like no like that and it's like <laughs> mate you know how much this hurts don't be a dickhead it's not, it's not offensive <laughs> I can't see I'll be the jizz in there more I enjoyed it though it was, a, it was a nice sort of step back into um Mm. Something that was even rougher than WrestleMania one. To yeah, me. and I think I think once you get to WrestleMania being quite polished and quite mm. fun, this for me, this for me is I holiday. love it. I, I absolutely love it. It's like um, I don't know. It's like a sort of ah, uh, it's like a sort of like, do you know what it's like? It's like having a fry up. It's not something <laughs> that you go, I'm going to have this every day. Yeah, but you go back to it and you go, I forgot how good this was. I really like <laughs> it. And then I return to my usual diet of you know tofu and edamame. <laughs> <laughs> degeneration band. Yeah, oh, here we go. <laughs> Edamame, this is. Oh, say. I, I'm, I'm, oh, say, can you say? By the John's early line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to th- figure out who's better, them or tiny. I don't know. What, uh... Do you know what? At the minute, 
I'm quite keen on James Tiny Weeks. <laughs> I'm going to check him out on Discogs, and if he's done anything, we're playing it next time. Yay! Woo! Lovely old job. We'll be back with my wrestle. Uh, me, we haven't to say what we're going to do. Probably my wrestle. Me and I you was imagine. thinking. I mean, we're building up to Christmas. Yeah. We could always do a little. I don't know. I was thinking maybe like twelve strange matches. <laughs> twelve strange matches before Christmas. Lovely. Yes, the twelve days of matches. <laughs> I mean, we haven't really worked out a title for it yet. I was. I've been watching some uh, Grapplemus. The ten, (laughs) the twelve days of Grapplemus. Grapplemus. Yeah. (laughs) Who's going to search Grapplemus? I don't know. Why don't we call it? uh, I was about to say rap and wrestling, but that's with a W R A P. The the, the star kid on the top of the tree. The important thing is we're going to watch the match where uh, some wrestler vomits blood, and the other one we're going to watch is I've been watching some Atsushi Onita explosive death matches recently. Nice, and they are very funny indeed. Lovely. Well, let's do that then. Uh, We're back next week. Oh, oh, and probably why don't we do Hell in a Cell? Uh, the Mankind Undertaker. Oh, yeah, let's do that. that I like that one. Because that fits in as well. That's like a good bit to do before we do the next WrestleMania after that. Yeah, because we all know that people are just here for fucking, um, what, what do they call it? Uh, well, the, the things the they've naughty, heard of. Do you know naughty, what they don't wrestling. like? They don't like us doing Starcade 83 <laughs> and they don't like us doing Atsushi Onita. But you know what? This is our podcast and so we're going to do what we like. You can have Hell in the Cell next week and yeah. then we'll go back to normal business. Yeah, that's nice. Merry Christmas, everyone. Remember, your mummy would like an enamel pin of Alfred Hayes yes. available at wrestleme.bigcartel they are fucking good to be fair I'm they are. well pleased do you know what I, I don't want to You've go on about it job. but everybody on Twitter is really really surprised by how good they are <laughs> we are not carnies we're like WWE it's quality merchandise done by a quality man Mecca Chetai yeah, well but that's the thing because I, I could make a t-shirt I reckon but I don't know how the fuck you'd even begin to get those no. made well if you can make a t-shirt Pete you can do the next one yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no I said I could make one <laughs> One normal-sized human one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wrestle me, Mark. Wrestle me, Peter. Bye-bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.